0: Hey, while you're doing that, will you help me welcome everybody at all of our campuses? Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Brussels, the men and women that I got behind bars campus. We love you guys. We love you. Hey, have you, ever, have you ever thought back on your life and thought, you know, I wish older me could go back to younger me and give them a little piece of my mind, a little piece of advice? Do you have any, like, moment that you can think of that you're like, man, I wish I could go back to that moment? And tell younger version of me something I didn't know then. Because I was thinking about that this week, and one moment came to mind. Now, I have a lot of things that I wish I could go back and tell myself, but I was thinking about this one moment when I was 19. Um, You may know this. Those of you that don't, Sean and I, our lead pastor, we met at the University of Kansas. We were college roommates. And um, I was thinking about this one moment in particular. I was walking back from class, and... um, there was this spot at the University of Kansas called Wesco Beach, and it's where all the students would sort of hang out. And so because of that, there were like coffee shops and sort of spring up things that would try to sell you or get you to fill out, you know, questionnaires, etc. And so one afternoon, I was walking uh, back to our dorm when I saw that this couple of these booths were giving out free Pepsi. And so I walked over and I'm like, oh, you're giving out free Pepsi. What do you got to do? They're like, you got to fill out this application. I went, okay. So I filled out the application, and they gave me a two liter. And then there was another one. And I'm like, well, what do I have to do here? They're like, fill out the application. So I filled out four applications, and I got four bottles of Pepsi. And um, I walk them back to our dorm, walk into the dorm. Sean was like, dude, what do you, where'd you get those? I'm like, went down. I filled out a credit card application, four of them, got four bottles of Coke. He's like you are a genius. <laughs> Put them in the fridge. Didn't think much of it until six weeks later, I did in the mail, the, for the very first time in my life, my very first credit card. And it was really cool because I opened it up. There was a piece of plastic stuck to the paper and it said, congratulations, Eric James Parks, you have $1,500. And I stopped right there. I went, this is like finding just a bag full of cash. I went upstairs to Sean. I go, Sean, I got a credit card. He goes, you want to go shopping? I went, yeah. <laughs> we went to, no joke, jumped into the car, drove to Kansas City. We went shopping, bought him some things, bought myself some things. And then I was walking out and um, i had always wanted like one of those really cool stereos, right? You know, like a Pioneer stereo with the six disc changer. I was like, dude, look, it's a a Pioneer stereo. I really want one of those. He goes, dude, you got a bag of cash in your pocket. I went, I sure do. (laughs) And I bought a Pioneer stereo that day, brought it home, and literally in one afternoon, maxed out that credit card, right? Well, you know, yes, somebody whistled and went, right? Because a month later, I got the bill, And it was something like 27% interest, right? And so that $1,000 stereo over five years ended up costing me about (laughs) $4,700. And I thought to myself, if I could go back in time and talk to myself, then I sure would. And the truth is, I don't have a time machine, so I can't go back in time and tell myself what a stupid Decision it was to buy a Pioneer stereo and to pay for it over five years. But I can always be reminded of what stupid looks like. Oh yeah, that's it, right there. I keep it so I can go, Eric, this is what a $4,700 stereo looks like. Let's get this out of here. He's going to come get it. <laughs> you know, I do, I do think about it often, like, when I think about um, my life and things I wish I could tell myself, and the truth is, I had a lot of things that I just didn't know when I was in my 20s, you know. I wish I would have known about um, some things in relationships. I wish I would have known some things about my first job. Um, but I really do wish I would have understood some things about money, and I really wish I wish I would have known the role that generosity plays in sort of attaining happiness. Because I didn't. I didn't know how generosity played. In fact, when I think about like younger version of me, and I think about how I viewed giving stuff away, I think I fall in a category that lots of people do. What I would just call like, conventional wisdom when it comes to, like, money and the stuff that I have, right? Uh, I sort of saw money, pretty simply, as just dollars and cents. Like, that's it. That it's, it's just math. Like, if you want to get the stuff you want to get in life, if you want to be happy, Eric, it's just dollars and cents. And so let me sort of show you visually how I saw money, and I think it's conventional wisdom because most people see it this way. Imagine if you have 10 $1 bills, all right? If you have 10 $1 bills, how much money do you have? $10, right? So now, generosity says you give something that you have away. So if I give away one of these dollar bills, I now have how many dollars? Okay, what is more, $10 or $9? All right, so conventional wisdom says this, right? If you give away something you have, you will have less dollars. It's really simple. I'm richer if I don't give. I'm poorer if I do give. Put, put it put another way. I thought this way. Make as much as you can. Keep as much as you make. Because the more you give, the less, Eric, you're going to have. It's just math. Conventional wisdom just sort of says that keeping is the best strategy to wealth and giving. That's conventional wisdom. And I've been wondering, like, if I were to go back and talk to 20-year-old me, what would I say about conventional wisdom? Because we're in a series where we're talking about generosity. We're in this series called the grace of giving. And you know that we did this last year and we're doing it again this year, and it's all based on a verse in 2 Corinthians 8-7, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the church. And he says this, he says, "'Look, since you excel in everything, "'in faith, in speech, in knowledge, "'in complete earnestness, "'and in the love we've kindled in you, "'see that you also excel in the grace of giving.'" And we sort of said, last week Sean talked about that as a church, like we're excelling in so many areas, each of us, as a church corporately. But we did want to pause for a bit at the end of the year and go, hey, are we excelling in the grace of giving? Paul reminds us that don't leave this out. So can we pray just for a second before we dive in? God, I just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to teach us about generosity, how we see our stuff. Open our hearts. Let us be open-handed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I ran across uh, a book that I'm, I'm highly indebted to, really three people. Uh, one is John Ortberg, mentor of mine, but I ran across this book recently called The uh, Paradox of Generosity. Now, it's written by a sociology professor at Notre Dame. His name is Christian Smith. It's co-written by... Um, a lady named Hillary Davidson. But this is the gist of the book. Christian did research, sort of a definitive study, to look at the impact of generosity on the lives of real people like you and me. So they surveyed thousands of people nationally. They did these in-depth interviews with scores of people. And it really is, it's, it's an unbelievably amazing study about generosity. And throughout the book, they just... They just compare, they contrast based on empirical research. What does generosity actually do for people, for us? And is conventional wisdom right? That keeping is the best strategy to get the things you really want in life. Is keeping the best strategy? They state really clearly, whatever you think about the Bible or spiritual traditions or what they say about generosity, the book was based purely on empirical research. And they looked at generous people who regularly gave of their most valuable resources and they looked at ungenerous people who didn't do that. And this is fascinating. I'm basically gonna spoil the book for you. But this is fascinating. They found that it turns out in every single dimension that they studied that conventional wisdom is absolutely wrong about generosity. In fact, people who are the most generous who regularly give of the things that are most valuable to them, are happier, they're healthier, they have purpose for living, they, as a group, generally avoid depression and anxiety, they experience more personal growth, they have better relationships. I mean, the list goes on and on. That generous people are enriched in every single way of life. And he sort of states it this way in the book. He says, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give actually receive back in turn. In letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own lives. By giving, we ourselves move toward flourishing. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching. It is a sociological fact. And then he goes on to say this. The generosity paradox can also be stated in the negative. By grasping onto what we currently have, we lose out on better goods that we might have gained. In holding on to what we possess, we diminish its long-term value to us. Stated sort of differently, if you were to sum up everything that they found, they would say it this way. This is what the book says empirically. That give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. And, and I ran across this book, and the thought came to me, why didn't somebody write this book, like, 25 years ago? Why didn't they? So I could have run across it in Barnes & Noble when I was 20. And then, you know, why didn't somebody say this a really long time ago? Well, the Bible did. And a bunch of us, if we're honest with each other, I spent a lot of time and energy trying to keep as much as we possibly can because conventional wisdom says that keeping is a better strategy to getting the things you really want in life. The Bible does say something very different about this. Put this empirical research aside for a moment. The Bible does say something different about this. It does. It says, you know, pretty clearly that conventional wisdom is absolutely wrong. The Bible says giving away, giving away of yourself is absolutely the fastest path to blessing. That's the way we're supposed to live. And I know on the surface when we talk about it, it sounds crazy, right? Because it doesn't seem like it adds up. You do conventional wisdom and you go, it's simple math. And what you're saying just doesn't add up. And I think this is why when the Apostle Paul goes to talk about generosity and how we're supposed to live, he sort of flips the narrative upside down and he uses a metaphor that I think if we stop a second and and look at it, it begins to help us understand how generosity in the kingdom really works. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he basically says this. He uses this different metaphor. He says, here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He uses an analogy of a seed, of a plant. And this is key. Because the truth is, if you think about seeds, and maybe like if you went way back in time to the first person that sort of discovered how seeds work, it was equally as crazy as believing generosity is the best way to get what you really want in life. I mean, think about it. There's a bunch of human beings sitting around, and for a while, all they've been doing is picking stuff off a tree and eating it, right? And then one day, this guy's like, listen, I got this idea. I think if we take one of these things and we put it in the ground, something will happen. Now, I I I I, I want to use a different metaphor because like if the metaphor before I was using like is ten dollar bills right so if you have ten dollar bills we call this dollars and cents biblical metaphor right think of dollars more like avocados okay see this is what Paul's sort of trying to help us do is think about these as, as avocados now imagine that same guy look I know you hear generosity and you say this is crazy this this is crazy first people, they would have been like, this is crazy. And think, that first guy would say, listen, here's the deal. I know we could eat this avocado, but what I'm asking you to do is to dig a hole in the ground and put it in the ground. Everybody sitting around the fire would have been like, you're crazy. We're not going to put the avocado in the ground. We're going to eat the avocado. If you put the avocado in the ground, we'll have one less avocado, right? Because it's Avocados and sense, you know? It's like you put it in the ground, it's gone. I'm not gonna put it in the ground. He's like, listen, you gotta trust me. I don't know how it works. But when you put this in the ground, it's almost like something in heaven says to that little thing in the ground, hey, wake up, come alive, grow, right? I don't know how it works, but trust me, it does. I know, The idea of generosity being the best way for us to become and attain all these things that we want in life sounds paradoxical. It sounds crazy. But here's what's cool about avocados. You know, if you put an avocado in the ground, there's a seed in the ground. Now, I don't have a green thumb. I'm really not very good with planting things. So don't email me with like, well, you still have to graft it to a, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you put a seed in the ground, just go with the metaphor for a minute. You know, when when an avocado tree becomes mature, you know an avocado tree can produce two to 300 avocados every year. And did you know, I learned this week, that avocado trees can live, like, unless you kill them, they'll just keep living. There's avocado trees in Mexico that are 400 years old. Now, think about it for a second. I know it's crazy to put an avocado seed in the ground. But when you do... It's like something in heaven says to that little thing on earth, hey, come alive. You know, one avocado tree could produce 120,000 avocados in its life. See, this is what Paul's trying to say. I know it seems counterintuitive, but there is something to generosity that works like a seed. It's almost like when you put your money in the ground and you intentionally invest it in the kingdom. It's like something on heaven says to that inanimate dollar bill, "Hey, you wake up. Come alive. Grow." And this is what Jesus is getting at. When he says in Luke 6:38, "Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, and will pour into your lap. God says, this is what generosity is like. Money's this way. Take some of what you have and sow it. This is what the Apostle Paul's saying. I know it sounds crazy. I know it does. But if you do, I'm telling you, something will happen. Some sort of power gets unleashed. Like God says, hey, Resource. Wake up. Come alive. Grow. And it does. You know, I've been thinking about this particular message because like, when we speak of generosity, it can be difficult both to hear and to say. You know, Sean said it last week, like, as soon as you heard we're in this series, some of you, man, you are ready to fight, right? Don't fight me, fight him. He's m- more up for it. <laughs> but here's the truth. I wrestled with, you know what? I'm gonna tell a little personal story because I think if I don't, that just, I'm not being honest with us. So when I was 28, Stepped back into ministry. I had done oil and gas. Many of you know this. I was an accountant. I stepped back into ministry to be a youth pastor. Now, you don't go into ministry to, in a, and become a youth pastor if you're interested in making any sort of dollars and cents, you know, because the, this doesn't pay well. Um, but I went back into ministry. And I remember, like, I had grown up around the church and I understood the concept of generosity. But I'll be honest. This idea of dollars and seeds seemed as crazy to me as it does to many of you right now. Like, you go, man, I'm having a hard time buying that. I'm having a really hard time. Me too. Me too. Me too. So, I was at a church, and um, the church was, God was doing some amazing things, and they needed to get a new building. And they did what a lot of churches do. They came to the congregation and they said, listen, if you want to join what God's doing, like we have a chance to pool our resources and do something amazing for the kingdom of God. And so I went to Chrissy and I said, hey, we, we should be a part of this. We don't make much money. So let's kind of think, what can we do? What can we really do? And um, I had thought about what, how we could participate in this. And um, I was sitting with the pastor one afternoon. Uh, we were having coffee and um, we were talking about generosity and where we were at in the new building. And I don't know what happened, but in the middle of the conversation, I felt like I was supposed to sort of tell him where we were at and kind of how we were gonna participate. And um, I opened my mouth to talk, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where you open your mouth to say one thing and something completely different comes out of it. You ever had one of those moments? I went to t- tell him, hey, here's, here's what we're in for. And the number that came out of my mouth was not the number that I had been thinking about at all. It it was so, like, shocking to me that I froze for a second. He's like, are, are you okay? I'm i fine, I'm fine. He got up and left, and I literally thought I was gonna throw up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just gave away an entire year's salary. I don't... I, 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 I can't do that, we, we, don't, we don't have that. I don't, there's, we, I'm not, I don't know if you know this, I'm not independently wealthy. I don't have any money in the bank. It's not, I don't have that. I literally started to freak out, like to have an anxiety attack, because I'm like, I have to undo this. I'm, I'm get, everyone in my family's gonna starve. We're all gonna starve and die. I rushed home and I called my wife, I'm like, I totally screwed up. I know she's probably thinking, oh great, Another $4,700 stereo. (laughs) I I walk into the house and I said, listen, I don't know what I was doing. I I was just trying to like talk to him. And um, I said something about like the campaign and I I think er we're all going to (laughs) die. She's like, what are you talking about? And I went on to explain and I said, don't worry, don't worry. I got it. I'm going to look like an idiot, but I'm just going to say I made a mistake. And she said, wait, wh- what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I gotta, I'll go fix this. She goes, why are you going to fix this? And I said, because we never talked about this, and I don't, we can't do this. And she said, I don't want you to fix this. I said, why? She goes, because that's what God told me we were going to do, and I was just waiting for him to tell you. <laughs> I was like, huh. Here's the truth, just the truth. Not easy, not perfect, life never is. I've had my share of heartaches, tough times, um, bank account issues, just like everybody else. But I have to tell you the truth, that every blessing I have in my life, honestly, I track back to that moment, like every one. So like if I had to do it again, oh yeah, I'd, I'd do it again. And that's why we said, look, you know we're in this grace of giving, end of year thing. That's why Sean said, look, we're not asking anybody to do anything that we wouldn't do. And I'll race him to the offering bucket this year because I've seen that. I know it's paradoxical, but it's real. It really is. Something does happen. Some power gets unleashed when we take our stuff and we intentionally place it in kingdom soil. And you know, I thought, what better way for me? I I can tell you my story, but I'm going to show you a few things. I'm going to show you in just one year what it looks like when we put good seed into good soil. So 12 months ago, we did what we're doing right now. Since that point to right now, I want you to know what we've done as a church we have invested $1.768 million in local and international ministries worldwide. That's what we've done as a church. Now, and that's because a bunch of us said, okay, I'm gonna put some seed in the ground. So let me tell you just in the last 12 months, what we've done internationally, we're gonna start there. I'm gonna start with a country that's captured our hearts as a church. It's a country of Rwanda. Now, that's in East Africa. And you need to know that in April of 1994, over 800,000 people were slaughtered in 100 days. It was a genocide. 10% of the population, and most of them were my age then. Like, there's a missing generation of men and women my age in that country. Well, Rwanda captured our hearts. And God's opened an amazing door in the last few years for us to be planting seeds all over this country. And so um, we have three development centers in Rwanda where we sponsor every single child. That's 1,200 children. We also work with Hope International. And Hope International brings microfinance and banking to the most underserved population in the world. Over a billion people worldwide do not have access to banking of any kind. Hope International steps into that gap. We also partner with another organization in Rwanda called World Relief, and we have a whole economic development zone—a whole zone. It's like 150 square miles that Red Rocks us. We sponsor everything that goes on there, from clean water to food to the gospel. But I want to tell you about one place in particular. It's called Hope Haven, Rwanda. Now, three years ago, we got involved with Hope Haven. And um, what Hope Haven is is a school on the outskirts of Kigali that serves some of the poorest children in all of East Africa. This is a place that children are born and raised in the same poverty from the first to last breath. And this Hope Haven decided to start a school five years ago. Well, we got involved three years ago. Red Rocks, this is what we've been doing. We've been sinking money, we've been taking dollars and seeds and planting seeds into these little children's lives, and here's what's cool. Last, uh, Grace of Giving campaign. Because many of you stepped in, Hope Haven needed to expand their facility by a third to reach more children, but because you invested, we expanded, we expanded that facility, and now 600 children get One of the best educations in all of Kigali. They're fed two times a day on site and literally entire family units are being changed. See, this right here is what it looks like when we see our stuff as dollars and seeds where we put it in the ground. This is Rwanda. But see, we don't just work in Rwanda. Because of your generosity, there's another country that we've been investing in, that we've been planting seeds, it's in Haiti. It is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and you know all that's hit it. Well, in Haiti, we sponsor three development centers through Compassion International there, and that's 1,500 children. We've put in wells through um, different organizations. We've helped build cafeterias, but this was really amazing. Chad and I were over there, and um, we were at one of our development centers that's on the outskirts of Port-au-Prince, and it serves children and families that live on a dump, a trash dump. It's a church these young guys man love jesus serving the community we're down there saying okay you have a development center here where you're serving children you're also preaching the gospel what do you need he said we're landlocked we can't do anything else on this piece of land but there's three acres behind us and you know what because of what you all did last year during the grace of giving campaign we sent them a check that paid for the entire piece of property behind them. It'll double everything they do. See, that's what happens when you put seed in the ground, right? Something miraculous. You're like, I've never even been to Haiti. Yeah, but you have fruit that are starting to fall off trees. India, you know this because I spoke about it, May, that there are 1.3 billion people that don't know Jesus in that country. That means 25% of the world and the people who don't know Jesus, they live in one country. And we had an opportunity that came our way last year to sponsor these training centers through an organization that had been planning churches all over India. Training centers where they bring in these young men and women who have come to Jesus and they train them to be pastors for a year we, because of your generosity last year, stepped in and now we sponsor in Bhopal, India, an entire training center. And guess what? This is so cool. This March, our very first graduating class of pastors came out of this training center that you're seeing. There's a school where children are being served at that training center. That's what it looks like. When we put seed in the ground, this is what you're doing, Red Rocks. is what you're doing. Now... Listen, this is awesome because I I did that message and some of you, one crazy person in this church came up to me in March and said, or in April when I preached and said, okay, so we sponsor one training center. How many pastors will graduate? Because I heard you say they they graduate with a bike and a Bible and a bongo. And I said, well, a thousand total next March. He's like, you want to build bikes? I'm like, yeah, let's build some bikes. So check this out. You know we built bikes. We put them on a display and said, we need 1,000. We got all 1,000 bikes sponsored. Not only did we get all 1,000 bikes sponsored, another organization called and said, hey, I hear you're making bikes. You think you could send us some? I'm like, I have no idea. We'll try. <laughs> Folks, this is what's happening. This is what happens when you see it as dollars and seeds. You know what those bikes represent? In seven years, 100,000 people, 100,000 will come to know Jesus. See, that doesn't make sense because you gave in an offering, does it? You go, really? Oh yeah, that's what dollars and seeds look like. I'm telling you, it's paradoxical, but it's for real. Check this out. Last year, I want you to know this. We, as a church, gave to churches who were in need or planting $792,117. I like to be precise with the numbers. That's what we did as a church. And you know, because last year you stepped in, you know what we're going to get to do right in our country? We're starting a church on January 6th in Austin, Texas, Red Rocks, Austin. They're already beginning to meet. It's is already happening. This group is already meeting. January 6th, it will launch. And it's gonna launch because a bunch of you saw your resources as dollars and seeds. You know what else we're gonna get to do? We're gonna also, we just bought this building. Um, This building is in Highlands Ranch. We bought that building because a bunch of us said, I'll step in, I'll live that way. This is what, and by next year, we'll have another campus right here in our backyard. Now, listen, let me say this. I know some of you are like, okay, well, why are you going to Austin? Why are you doing Highlands Ranch? Why are you doing all this? What are you you doing? Here's the deal. 172 countries, the gospel's growing in 172 countries. There are 20 countries where the gospel is not growing. The United States is one of those. So, yeah, we're going to plant a church in Austin, and we're going to go to Highlands Ranch, and wherever else we can. I don't fully understand it, but I have come to see that it is true. When I see my stuff as dollars and seeds and I plant it into kingdom soil, it is like God speaks from heaven to that little inanimate dollar and says, hey, wake up, come alive, grow. So, it's super simple. If you are part of this church family, I'm gonna to talk to you for just a second to give you a few instructions. If you're just coming around here, I know, I know, man, if you brought a visitor, you're like, great. I brought a visitor on a week we talked about money. Way to go, dude. But here's the truth. I want you to see, like if you're new, I want you to see, this is, this is it. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do together. If you stick around here, this is what we're going to do. If you're family, this is really simple. It, we're asking you on December 8th and 9th, if you'll just prayerfully consider seeing your stuff as dollars and seeds. Prayerfully, no guilt. You go to God, you sit with your family, and you say, God, you've given me a few things, What do you want me to do? And if he calls you to do something, we're just saying do it. And if he doesn't, okay. We don't need the money for operations. This isn't what this is about. Sean said it last week. We're not in financial trouble. The truth is, whatever we bring in two weeks, we will do a whole bunch more of this stuff. This is what we will do. And we've been really clear. Like, if you look up here and you're like, I don't, no, no, I don't trust you. No, you got beady eyes. Okay, true. That's why Sean last week listed 10 churches, 10 churches, two by every one of our campuses. You can go back online, you can find it. We, we also mentioned Flatirons, um, Cherry Hills Community Church. <laughs> These churches are not like some sort of front that we've put up and they're all fake churches that just come back to us, okay? <laughs> they're real churches. And we're saying, I'm just saying, hey, try it. It's a claim in the Bible Test it. And if you can't bring it here, okay, okay. Take it there. Send it to them. They would love to get a check from someone they have no idea who they are. Fine, do that. But know that if you bring it here, this is what we're going to do. And I gotta say, because I have to say it, I have to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because I get to travel to some of the darkest places in the world On your behalf and I do it joyfully to bring the gospel like from us to them thank you because some of you you are man and and I know this is gonna be a big step for some of you it's like man I got one seed to put in the ground and this is the first time I've tried it I get it and some of you man you've already done this before and you know it's like I know something from on high says to that stuff come alive I'm in It's dollars and seeds, it's what the Bible says. And it is cool to get to watch God's power be unleashed through us just bringing something that seems so small and dead and to watch him speak to it and for it to come alive. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your generosity to us what you've done for us on our behalf Jesus thank you for your death and resurrection it's the ultimate metaphor of what it looks like when a loving God cares for us so much that he sent his son generously to die on our behalf and so God I just pray over the next few weeks that you'll speak to us what you'd have us do and then give us the courage each of us to step in faith towards that We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand on all of our campuses? Can we spend just a few minutes worshiping this loving, generous God?